Welcome back. It's howls, jowls, and growls. <laughs> and it's kind of, I don't know, what's the word, Dave? Ac- uh, criticizery, accusatory. Mm. Jowls refers to Holland, as we'll find out more later, because he's got those characteristic jowls that hang <laughs> from his face. Uh, we'll we'll get into this episode. It's uh, about a specific interaction that he had with a certain British reporter. But before we jump into that, let's talk about what we would generally start with: the Elliot in Yes. So lots of choices this morning, and I wasn't really overly enamored by all of them for different reasons. And I pulled up three, and I'll tell you why. And I'm not going to obviously go through all three. But uh, there was an article. These are all in the Salt Lake Tribune, as they often are for the church news things we do. Uh, One of them is Dave Winslow, I guess, this guy who wrote this. Ungodly teachings about LGBTQ drive people away from the LDS church. Well, yeah, I'm sure that's true. But his whole article basically goes through the church's kind of lack of being on spot with how to treat these people equally and with love and and so forth and and allow them to love in their doctrine, you know. And and you know, it's great. I, again, I'm going to make an observation here about this Dave Winslow guy. I'm 60 plus, return missionary, temple married, father of eight. Oh my god. Lifelong member of the Church of Jesus Christ Latter-day Saints. The church taught me we are all brothers and sisters. Our highest calling is parenthood, and we emulate God as we truly love our children. And he brings this up because uh, his daughter came out as gay or lesbian uh, at some point. And so his he and his wife had to deal with it, right? And And they chose to be accepting and loving, and that's awesome. But again, I go back to, dude, and I'll make my point with the news that we actually talk about, okay? So keep that in mind. Sundance documentary features Boy Scouts and LDS Church sexual abuse case. I thought this was interesting. But again, it's old hat. So that's simultaneously, well, extremely sad that this is old hat, right? Uh, Because this isn't a good thing. But it's old hat that it's in the news now, right? Like, it doesn't surprise anybody anymore when they see either a case coming to light mm. uh, about this happening in the church or something like this. So, hey, this guy's going to do a documentary on it. I think this is preferred news because that's, you know, you get documentaries, films, and things out there, and hopefully the awareness will increase, right? You know, the church set itself up with this kind of thing, and it, we this wasn't the subject we are going to delve into but when they came out with statements like in the miracle of forgiveness and mormon doctrine and going back even further than that that so boldly condemned homosexuality mm-hmm. and and now they're trying to kind of make it all better yeah. Well, yeah yeah good luck yeah and they're biting themselves in the ass with the thing like the the announcement about lgbtq uh, parents of children and then backpedaling and, you know, it's just, it hasn't been pretty. Um, but the, the article that I thought I wanted to talk just, you know, I don't know, 30 seconds more about, or a minute about was another one from Jana Rice. (laughs) 
she has a regular, I don't know if she has a column or she in the Tribune or if she just regularly contributes and they publish it. But you need to subscribe, man. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, We've talked about who Jana Rice is, I think, in our last episode because she made that list of seven things for 2019, whatever. Um, Her title of this one, which is one of the reasons I picked it, The Thinking Mormon's Survival Guide to the Dumpster Fire that is this year's curriculum. (laughs) 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 Which I thought was really funny. Uh, um, And she goes through and says, why do I think this? She's talking about this whole thing that came out where the church got in trouble uh, because they printed the come follow me manual for 2020 had a page in it that, that was kind of pointing back to the whole, you know, curse of the black skin thing. And it's cause they were not righteous and, and blah, blah, that God did this. And how dare we have this in there? And David and I have talked about this before and the irony of fighting against this, because it's very clearly in black and white in the book of Mormon. No Very pun clearly. intended, black and white. Black and white, no pun intended. <laughs> uh, it's you can't, you can't come out against your own scripture and say, we don't believe that theory anymore. God is not presenting a theory in the Book of Mormon when he clearly states that he cursed them with a black skin, when it clearly says in a verse that they were loathsome and dark and uh, not white and delightsome, right? I mean, there's statements in there that are very, very clear that you can't backpedal around. And to try to make believe that you can is an exercise in insanity and stupidity, I would argue. And yet you've got Jana Rice and crew, right, that think you can be a quote-unquote thinking Mormon. I'm a thinking Mormon. I think outside the box. I'm, I'm not exercising cognitive dissonance. And yet, I still believe this fucking fraud. So I'm I'm sorry. I just don't have a lot of patience for that, which is really the reason I wanted to bring it up again. Because here's Jana Rice again, an active member, evidently Temple recommend holding. I guess she's still not been disciplined for how she comes out and trashes the brethren in the church routinely, and she thinks you can be this way in the church. Like you, I I don't. Holy yeah, no, it's it's uh it's very concerning to see that tendency among a lot of people uh uh not so much what they call jack mormons who are basically just inactive members but will tell you yeah, I'm mormon. Mm-hmm. If you ask, they will they will say yeah, I'm mormon. I I don't go, but I'm mormon. There, I I don't understand that Part of it I do, you know, yeah. uh, the, the cost, that, that whole aspect of it again. Sure. But when you're, when you are in, an intelligent person, mm-hmm. a critically thinking, open-minded person, is that possible without doing some kind of mental damage? Mm. I don't yeah. know. I don't yeah. think so. Yeah. Anyway. Okay. I don't either. Yeah. I, and yep. Right. So that was the LDS church <laughs> in the news. <laughs> And to you, Dave, before we dig into the jowls, uh, how about a little bit of stuff that's for our Our information? information. Just so you know, okay, I was trying to find where we left off. 
And then I remembered this one where Apostle Francis Lyman tells the priesthood meeting that he considered the blood of Cain was more predominant in these Mexicans than that of Israel. <laughs> and I, I do re- I do remember reading that one last week. So I think I think we're going to go to George Q. Cannon again. Oh, okay. And in December 14th, 1884, he preaches. Now, I've heard that there are men among us who are professing to cure witchcraft and other evils of that kind. Cure, cure it? That's interesting. Cure witchcraft, other evils of that kind. Do not seek for those who have peep stones, mm. for, for soothsayers, and for those who profess to be able to counteract the influence of witchcraft. And by the way, faithful Mormons continue using counter charms, he calls them. Ah, so yeah. they, they go ahead and keep using these things. <clears throat> yeah, don't do what Joseph did. Don't have a peep stone. <laughs> <laughs> I thought that was a stone you put on the back of the toilet. So when you went in and did your thing, you hold it to for comfort. I don't know. I don't know. Peep stone. Uh, pea stone or peep stone. Okay. Uh, uh. We're going to jump into 1885 now, February 4th. Nine apostles and two other members of the 50 anoint and ordain John Taylor as king, number one, king, priest, and ruler over Israel on earth. What? (laughs) So that's it. That is the only statement about him becoming the president of the church. You got to be kidding me. He's ordained. King, firstly, uh-huh. priest and ruler over Israel. Oh, only Israel. Not Oh, I'm sorry. Not the whole earth. Only Israel on oh, earth. God. Yeah, because there's those other, the 10 tribes of Israel on the moon or some shit like that. <laughs> Somewhere. I just want to know, it's too bad there wasn't the, you know, as good a global news back then, because what would the Israelites have thought? <laughs> <laughs> and this well, is definitely definitely a subject this is before this whole, the, well yeah right, right right the whole israel thing you know and this is before the zionist movement when the when the oh yeah Way nation before. when they became a nation state again so i guess they weren't organized enough to be pissed off no that he was their king i but, don't think he would even know what the hell he he was talking about no by saying something like that okay i don't either actually july 3rd apostle heber j grant records that first presidency authorizes half masting of american flags on salt lake city hall courthouse and church-owned zcmi on july 4th this causes a near riot by non-mormons and why would they hoist their flag at half mast uh does it say? I think we know. I can guess because of the government's position with the church. Oh, right, right. On statehood, yeah. on polygamy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that was their way of saying, fuck you, government. Well, you know, it's almost like it's almost like taking the knee for the Pledge of Allegiance. Yeah, right? yeah exactly. We're going half mass on this government holiday. Yeah. Uh, and pissed off a bunch of non-Mormons. So let's I keep this. Peace and yeah. Okay, September 15th, the LDS political newspaper Salt Lake Herald describes the filthy outrage 
committed against local leaders of anti-polygamy crusade. Late Sunday night, unidentified person threw a dozen fruit jars filled with a horrible mess of filth taken from the privy vaults (laughs) (laughs) through the glass windows of residents of prosecuting attorney William A. Dixon. Okay, so yeah, this is like the third time we've mentioned him throwing shit (laughs) at these people. The privy vaults? Oh, what do I, we? I, I, don't know. I, I don't even know what that means. I don't want to mm. know why you're storing your shit. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> Maybe that's okay. old term for like a septic tank. I don't know. Yeah, that's it. That's it. Mm. November 7th, Quorum of the Twelve excommunicates, uh-oh, Apostle Albert Carrington for crimes of lewd and lasciviousness conduct. As, yeah, yeah, lasciviousness. Mm. Wow. Don't. Are you kidding me? He was lascivious and adultery. Oh, okay. Uh, With several women dating back. Oh, he's he's a polygamist. Okay. With several women dating back to 1871. This is the first time since 1842 that general authority, he doesn't have an A in there. Oh, well. Some of this is worded kind of funny. General authority is excommunicated for sexual misconduct. And its publication on November 10th stuns the community. Oh, shocker. Well, yeah, I guess that second anointing wasn't enough to seal him up into the celestial kingdom, right? (laughs) Holy Mm. crap. Could you imagine that coming out today? Well, there was just a guy, it wasn't a 12, right? No, it that's was, my point. That's my point, Yeah, one of the 12 would be a shocker, I guess, today. Yeah. A bodyguard of Joseph W. McMurrin is shot twice in the stomach and nearly killed by U.S. Deputy Marshal Collins. And it goes on to explain what's going on. A lot of these citations here are about all of the uh, fighting going mm-hmm. on about polygamy. That that's it. Yeah. But here here's three in a row, no, and we need. We'll just read all three of these real quick that have to do with bribery, huh? And I I think this is very significant uh, that you would actually use tithing funds <clears throat> from the poor widow who gave you her last mite, mm-hmm. and use that money to bribe officials to get your way politically. Or otherwise. Mm, beautiful. So three in a row. 1886 now, January 7th, U.S. Supreme Court sustains Utah judges' definition of cohabitation as not re- requiring proof of sexual intercourse, but rather of marital relationship. Justices Miller and Field dissent on grounds that Congress intended the law to prohibit unlawful hab- habitual sexual intercourse. Oh, knock it off. <laughs> habitual i'm Uh, confused yeah yeah. okay here's the last part of that justice field is on the secret payroll of the first presidency Ooh. and here's his friend january 25th federal court begins hearings concerning effort of two men to bribe u.s deputy marshal franks to give advance warning of efforts to arrest mormon polygamists both men are sentenced to three years imprisonment for attempted bribery but are released in may 1888 unknown to court these men had worked with brigham hampton 
in spying on anti-Mormons in the brothel by oh. 18. Oh, spying, huh? Uh. That was our first porn <laughs> show, I guess. By 1888, Deputy Franks is on the first presidency's payroll as a bribed informer. Mm. There we go. And we're not done. There's one more. February 8th, U.S. Marshal publishes $500 reward for arrest of first counselor George Q. Cannon. A week later, Cannon is arrested in Nevada after unsuccessfully trying to bribe arresting officer and then jumping from a moving train to escape. Oh. He, he denies attempted bribery and claims that he accidentally fell from the train. <laughs> <laughs> oh, <laughs> Shit. priceless. Oh. Yeah. Uh, well, one more on George Q. Cannon, and I think I think right. we're done. May 4th, Apostle John Henry Smith writes that presiding bishopric counselor, oh, this is presiding bishopric counselor, George Q. Cannon, is mm. getting quite reckless with the church's tithing funds. Cannon is excommunicated four months later, but for adultery, not embezzlement. <laughs> Oh my God! Okay, wow. I'll save some of the rest of it for oh. next week. Oh yeah, yeah. Oh wow! We have to save some of that. Wow. Okay. Uh, <laughs> it never ceases to entertain the <laughs> the history of the church. Wow, good stuff, man. Um, <laughs> so to our episode today, jowls, howls, and growls. You know we have nicknames uh, for all uh, all the apostles at least in the first presidency our nickname for holland has been jowls for the aforementioned reason and uh so back in 2012 this is what our episode's focusing on today there was a a bbc interview from uh kind of a, a he's a popular reporter for the bbc sweeney i don't remember his first name I, anyway no no um Reporter Sweeney uh, for the BBC. He did. Uh, he put together with the BBC, of course, a kind of a documentary thing called "The Mormon Candidate," and the Mormon Candidate was about Romney, Mitt Romney, who was running for president at the time and doing fairly well, at least in the beginning. And and mm -hmm. so the whole premise to this video is. We could have a more the first Mormon president of the U.S. So let's talk about what does that even mean? Like, what is Mormonism? What does this What does this Mitt Romney believe? What's his background in this? What does this mean for the United States as far as like is there any implications with him being Mormon? You know, and so forth. And so Sweeney goes out and he does this whole thing where he talks to active Mormons, uh, ex Mormons. He talks to even some fringe folks. Uh, who believe the Book of Mormon, but they're they're polygamist. And part of his documentary kind of thing, investigation, was he set up some time with Jeffrey Holland, Jowls, and asked him some questions based on some of the stuff he was finding out talking to members and ex-members, right? And so that that's the background to this. And so about 17 and a half minutes into this show, you start getting pieces of the interview with Holland. And so what Dave and I are going to do today is we're going to go through about, 
one, two, three, four, five, six, seven of these short little clips. The whole interview segment itself, if you combined it all together, is maybe seven or eight minutes. It's very short. I wish I had the whole material. I was talking with Dave earlier because you know they talked for like an hour, right? Oh, but yeah. we're, we're only seeing tiny little edited, you know, clips. So love to have been a fly on that wall. Uh, cause this is rare. You, you know, the apostles don't generally do like interviews like this. Right. Um, so anyway, uh, so there's seven or eight quick little clips that we're going to go over where he asks Holland specific pointed questions about this or that topic. And we're playing this. Why would we even care about this? Well, for a few reasons, <laughs> One of the reasons is um, the apostles are in a position where they have to be professional apologists for the church. Yes. They have to be able to do a good job at that. I personally think, and David, you and I were talking about this before the show too, I personally think that's kind of a requirement to be one of the 12. If you look at uh, the 12, they obviously come from the 70, mm-hmm. and it's while they're 70s, either general authority 70s or area authority 70, whatever, and, you know, they are being groomed from early on and even picked because mm-hmm. of their, in part, their ability to apologize. Mm-hmm. Uh, very, very, I mean, some of them are articulate as hell. Yeah. It's yeah. it's still lying, but it's articulate lying. <laughs> yeah, it is. I mean, we've talked about the term apologetics before. I think for for people who aren't aware of what that really is, you can look it up obviously. It's it's the uh it's the act of essentially making excuses <laughs> for your religious belief to counter the criticisms or critical questions, right, of of others. And so I'm probably bastardizing the Webster's definition of that, but that's essentially what it is. Um, so Holland ends up doing this. That's well, why do we care? Because folks, he outright lies in several instances. And why do we care? Because it brings awareness to the fact yet again, that even at the level of the 12 apostles, you have lying, deceiving men who are misleading people. And even if they aren't knowingly doing it in some cases, even if we throw them a bone and say, hey, these guys really believe this is true, right? Like in their heart, they really think it's true. They're still ignoring factual realities in their answers. And that's a problem. Right. There's another aspect of that, not only, you know, knowing that they're lying. When you tell a lie often enough, what happens? You start believing it yourself. Yes. And yeah. I think there's some of that going on as well. There yeah. probably is. And that's essentially the definition of cognitive dissonance. Um, you have to make internal mental excuses for yourself for things that just frankly don't make any fucking sense. Right. And, and you just obviously you're like, yeah, that's got to not be right. Well, it, but it has to be right because the church is true. So you create this little playground in your mind where fantasy is real and, you know, divorce yourself from reality. Essentially. I want to ride the pony. 
<laughs> Wait a minute. We're still talking about the interview? We're talking about the playground in your mind. <laughs> oh! <laughs> oh. Okay. Yeah. After the show, Davey. Okay. All right. I'll be good. <laughs> so here's our first clip. You'll hear Sweeney talking to Holland about the book of Abraham. Hey, what is this about this book? It's well, I'll let you guys listen. It's about 20 seconds long here. Let's let's play this. Joseph Smith got these papyri and he translated them. And subsequently, as the Egyptian Egyptologists cracked the code, something completely different. All I'm saying, out. all I'm all I'm saying is that what got translated got translated into the word of God. The vehicle for that. I do not understand and don't claim to know and know no Egyptian. Hmm. Okay. So look, it's shown to be a fraud. It's shown to come from funerary texts. We've talked about the Aberspam episode, right? Um, it's a fraud. And so Holland, you know, what, what do you think about, well, I, look, no matter how it came about, I know it's the word of God. Okay. Okay. To that argument, though, of his, why the net? Why did the papyri need to exist at all? If if that's not what is being used, and clearly it was not, because it was completely different yeah. than what was on the papyri, these scrolls. Then why the hell did we even bring them into the mix? Why didn't Joseph just? get a revelation and say, Hey, I had a revelation. I'm going to call it the book of Moses, the book of Abraham. Yeah. And yeah. we'll put it in the pearl. And we've talked about it right in the Abraham, Abraham episode. Uh, the lame excuse that the church has today. Uh, it, this was a, uh, this was a, what's the word? A catalyst for revelation. He's holding these ancient scrolls. It puts his mind in the, in the right mindset of ancient, you know, teachings and so forth. And, and then that opens his mind for revelation, even though he didn't mm. need that for anything else. Right. So yeah, it's, I've, it's ridiculous. If but, you're interested, yeah. I've got a couple of those catalysts over here. Uh, this one over here is 27% THC. <laughs> comes from a certain mushroom. Anyway, I can't help myself. Sorry. <laughs> No, look, I brought this clip up in particular because this whole concept of how the apostles and really they teach the members to do this too, just throw around willy nilly the word no, K-N-O-W. I know that this is the word of God. And you know this how? By feelings. <laughs> so... Anyway, I could talk forever on that, you know. Let's wait, jump to the next clip. What Mike, hang on. What? It's more than a feeling. <laughs> Boston. I like Boston. it. Boston. Yeah. yeah. All right. Yeah. It's maybe there's something in his pants too. <laughs> yeah. He's got tangible proof. Okay, so Joseph as a con man. Let's hear what Sweeney says about this. As a matter of historical fact, was Joseph Smith convicted of being a con man in 1826. I have no idea. There's a court record in New York, they, and we've got an email of it. They, there's a, there's a, a good deal of difficulty in the, in the early frontier life in America, but that's an incidental matter to the character and integrity of the man. Oh, all right. Jesus. So, let's blame 
how hard life was in frontier America for the lack of morals and ethics. Well, and I think he's pointing to the record. It, it's clearly been found. The record is there. It's tangible. It's in your face. He yep. was convicted of glass looking. And what, what was the other charge? Uh, well, there was another charge. He was wanted in several states for fraternizing with married women. I don't well, know. Yeah, no, there's several about. charges that continue. Uh, but no, yeah. this document is in D. Michael Quinn's magical uh, worldview book. It's it's there. It exists. Well, so so his excuse. It, it, what is the excuse? Uh, well, it was kind of rough back then. What the fuck but does that mean? But it doesn't. Uh, it doesn't apply to his character. Okay, hold on a second. Whoa. Number one, like I was just saying. Being in a rough and tough area where people are doing what they needed to survive physically and mentally doesn't mean you throw away your morals and ethics. I don't know what the fuck he was trying to say with that. Number two, the fact that he was convicted as a glass looker and and defrauding people of money saying he could find buried treasure doesn't tie to the character of the man? No. How not? Like, how would that not tie together to your character? I I don't get it. No. <laughs> I don't. <laughs> what, what else is there to measure character? Yeah, like a character witness in a court, right? It, like, hey, here, how, here's... Yeah. Uh, it's your here's, actions. Yeah, right. It, it, that's it. Okay. Yeah. Here's exhibit A, Judge. Uh, uh, proof that Joseph was convicted of defrauding people. I, the judge said, "I'm going to just throw that's not admissible in court. That doesn't that doesn't pertain to his character." <laughs> what? What the fuck? Yeah, that's pretty oh, bad, dude. Yeah. Okay, let's jump. I'm going to have to move down the timeline of the video a little bit here to spot twenty-eight fifty-three ish. So this is when. So one of the things Sweeney brings up is that. When Romney went to the temple, this is before 1990, when the penalties still existed. So Sweeney found out about these penalties from talking to former Mormons, and they revealed, yeah, you, you do this, right? Basically, and David and I have talked a little bit about this, you you vowed in, in the former temple ceremony, which came directly from God and was never supposed to be altered, <laughs> That you would essentially cut your own throat, you would disembowel yourself, you, all these terrible penalties if before you would reveal the temple mm-hmm. ceremonies, uh, the, the elements of it, right? The tokens and signs and so forth. So Romney would have done that because this was before 90 that he went. He's older than, than us, so. Yeah, um, late late 60s or something. Yeah. So, uh, so Sweeney brings this up, right? Like. Hey, Romney would have done this, right? This is one of the times when Hol- when Holland outright lies. Listen to this. Let's talk about Mitt Romney. Okay. The man who may well become the most powerful man on earth. Mm-hmm. As a Mormon in the temple, I've been told, he would have sworn an oath to say that he would not pass on what happens in the temple lest he slit his throat. Is that true? That's not true. That's not true. Okay, I'm pausing it there for a second. That's a fucking lie. Did well, you just hear him say it's not true? 
Yeah, Sweeney put it past tense. He said he would have. He would have done this. Yes. And so Holland's he, response? He, he, that's not true. That's not true. Okay. He's trying to answer a different question. He's a fucking with, liar. Yeah. So Sweeney catches him. Check it out. Here we go. I like I like Sweeney. <laughs> Do not have penalties in the temple. You used to. We used to. Oh. Therefore, he no. swore an oath saying, I will not tell anyone about the secrets here lest I slip my throat. Well, the, the, the vow that was made was regarding the ordinance, the ordinance of the temple. It sounds Masonic, uh, sir. It sounds Masonic. Well, it's comparable. It's similar to to, to a, a Masonic. Uh, <laughs> most, potentially, the most powerful man in the world has sworn an oath, which he meant at the time, whatever it is now, that he must not tell anyone about what he's seen, lest he slit his throat. That he would not tell anyone about his personal pledge to the Lord. I'm assuming that any religious candidate, an evangelical, a Roman Catholic, Rick Santorum, Newt Gingrich, uh, Osama, oh. uh, I mean, uh, uh -oh. Obama, uh, I'm assuming that anybody <laughs> who has a relationship to God has made a pledge of some kind to God. There's there, There'd be some kind of loyalty to God or what kind of a God is that? Um, what kind of a god is that? Yeah, I don't. He didn't even ask the right question. No. What kind of a person is that? <laughs> and no, nobody else does this. Fuck you. <laughs> nobody else does this shit. No. Sorry. No. I'm getting no. mad and, now. No. And, and look, he didn't answer Sweeney's question, of course. No. Uh, one, one thing you have to do well as an apologist is dodge, right? And, and so Sweeney... So first he lies. No, that's not true. Sweeney, Sweeney carefully and very politely, I might add, yes. <laughs> catches him in the lie. Well, well, you you used to have. Oh, okay, yeah, we used to. Have. So Romney would have done it. Yeah. Okay. Well, you're then a fucking liar, right? So we got that recorded for all history. <laughs> now, uh, what about this? Oh, I'm going to slip my throat unless I reveal these secrets. And then Holland goes off on this. It was about the ordinance. Well, what? That's not even an answer to the question. No, it's and, not. And then he goes on about he was promising not to reveal about a, a covenant with God. How does that make it any better? I, I don't understand. It's not an answer, right? Well, and then, you know, he brings Osama Laden into the conversation. <laughs> where, where, where was his mind at the, at the point? Uh, and then when he asks him about, well, it's very similar to masonry. Well, yeah, there's some, some, it's exactly yeah. like it yeah. in the, in the referencing the penalties. Yes, some of the initiatory is. parts are a little bit different because yeah. the church wanted you to become naked, which meant you would become vulnerable. That's mm -hmm. what that's all about, by the way, put that's you right. in a position of vulnerability. And mm -hmm. even the Masons didn't figure that out. <laughs> anyway. No. No, and uh, yeah, it, we've talked about this before. There's there's a out of copyright, really old, you know, eighteen hundreds document called Freemasonry Illustrated that you can find online. That's right online, uh, and it shows you all the tokens and handshakes and signs and things that that the Freemasons did, and they're the same. 
right? And we, we've talked about this fact. Joseph Stoll, the Freemasonry uh, rites and, and handshakes and so forth, as part of the endowment ceremony and said that they came from God. So became a 33 degree Mason and within three weeks introduced it into the temple endowment. Ah, yeah. Like a revelation, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So next Sweeney makes the rounds. He ends up talking to Mike Purdy and this isn't Holland obviously, but I wanted to include this because it gives you a background to what he later asks Holland. So he asked Mike Purdy in, in Sweeney's conversations, especially with some former Mormons, he finds out about the strengthening the church members committee and that this committee kind of like, you know, in, in the face of its name, which is not really descriptive. Um, it's not about strengthening members. It's about tracking members who are distracting others or who are criticizing the church or who are actively coming out, you know, vocally or written form uh, in a criticizing manner and getting them gone, getting them excommunicated. That's what the committee is about. And that's how the committee has found in several cases that he talks to these people who've been kind of, you know, they were standing up and saying, hey, this isn't right. Or what about this historical issue? And so the church is like, oh, sh sh shut that fucker up. And so yeah. the committee gets in touch with the uh, members, stake president, who gets in touch with their bishop, and they call him in. It's serious business, right? And they're like, you stop this shit or you're out of here. That's the strengthening the church members committee. Well, Mr. Purdy, who is the PR guy for the church, knows about this committee, but he follows Holland's uh, etiquette <laughs> in his example. 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 Let's <laughs> listen to that, and then we're going to, it'll jump into, I'll have to pause and take a 10-second jump into Holland's response to the same question. So here's Mike Purdy. What's the Strengthening Church Members Committee, and does it still exist? Uh, I don't know, and I'm not, I guess that's a question not for me. I, I I couldn't tell you that. I don't know. You're the head of media relations for the church. You know, <laughs> Dumbass. People, um, ex-members of the church who say um, the Strengthening Church Members Committee does exist. Does it still exist? I, I, I've heard that, yeah, there is a Strengthening Church Members Committee, but I couldn't tell you the details of how that works, but we'd be happy to provide someone that can. Sorry for my confusion. When I originally asked, you, you you weren't sure. Now you you do know that it exists, um, and you will give me somebody who knows something about it. Absolutely. <laughs> wow, busted. And Sweeney, oh my God, you got to love the guy, man. He's like so, like the consummate, you know, English gentleman. Yes, he is. You know, uh, uh, I, sorry for my confusion. <laughs> When I first asked you, you lied your ass off and said you didn't know that it even existed. Now you do know that it exists, and you can connect me with someone who can tell me what it is. Yes, absolutely. And, and <laughs> notice the tone in his voice when he says that. Oh, yes, thank God. I got to yeah. get rid of this guy. Oh, my God. <laughs> give the, take it somewhere else, man. I, I don't want to get called up on a. Charges oh my God. Are, well, yeah. here's, what, 
Here's what okay. Holland says to the same question. He, yeah, it, I'll let you listen. Good. What is the Strengthening Church Members Committee? The Strengthening the Church Members Committee was born some years ago to protect predatory practices of polygamists. What? Asked, what, what, what is it? Well, that, that's what it is. It is to protect. So it does against, still exist. It's, it does still exist. It does still exist. And it looks at, uh, it, it's there to defend the church against polygamists. Principally. Prince, that is still the principal task. Principally. And, uh, what is its subsidiary task? Uh, I suppose just to be protective generally, just to watch and care for uh, any uh, any insidious influence. But for all intents and purposes, all that I know about it is primarily to guard against polygamy. That would be the substantial, essential part of their work. I'm not on that committee, so I can't speak. Does uh, the Mormon Church shun people who leave? No, no, of course we don't. We don't use that word and we don't know that practice. If I had a son this very day, given the office that I have and the visibility that means, if I had a son or a daughter who left the church or was alienated or had a problem, I can tell you I would not cut that child out of family. Okay, so two topics, really, the committee and then shunning. I mean, they are related in a, in a way. Mm-hmm. But so Holland admits he does, he is aware of the committee, but he lies his ass off about the purpose of the committee that it's to protect against polygamy. <laughs> what, what kind what? of protection do you need against polygamy, uh, Michael? Well, uh, because said. those guys, uh, I thought they were chasing women. <laughs> anyway, anyway, I, I don't know where the fuck he pulled that out of. And then he he admits he kind of he kind of gets close to the truth when he says, "Well, I suppose to protect the church against any insidi- insidious influence, right? Like any any counter influence. Uh, that's close, right? Because that's they track members who are detracting, you know, or trying to mislead, you know, others." Like J- Jeremy Reynolds would have probably been he was on in that radar. list. Yeah, he was in the radar. John DeLynn was in the radar. Yeah. Uh, we're already out of the church, so we'll never be in the radar because you have to be a member uh, to be a threat um, as far as that committee is concerned because their whole purpose is to make sure discipline happens up to and including excommunication, right? And so... And they're yeah. they're not that interested in the discipline of the person. They, they don't no. give a shit about that person. They want the exposure to stop. Right. They they're Period. protecting the church, not the people. It's, so it's exactly. funny the strengthening of the members. It's really for the protection of the church. <laughs> it's totally misnamed. Yeah, and so uh, and he lies his ass off, right? Of course. But well, I'm not a member of that committee, so I wouldn't know. You're one of the fucking twelve apostles who sits on all the important boards and committees of the church and you don't know what they really do. <laughs> Where does Sweeney have to go to find out? You lying motherfucker. All right. Yeah. How about baptism for the dead? You may recall that the church got in trouble some years ago for baptizing Jews <laughs> from the Holocaust. Uh, no, we'll just baptize them for the dead and make them all Mormons. Um, so yeah, the, 
Sweeney brings this up, that whole concept. Let's see what Holland says. You baptize people after death. Uh Why? Because we believe that in the justice and mercy of God, everybody ought to have a chance for salvation. But you baptize Holocaust victims. Not anymore. For the same reason, the same... The, the same conversation would be held with with anyone. This is a uh, an invitation. But if you were Jewish and your grandfather or grandmother was killed in the Holocaust um, because they were Jewish, doesn't it seem somewhat insensitive to rebaptize them we've, as a Mormon? We've already been through that, and we've agreed to the insensitivity, and so we've ceased. We've ceased doing that. But it was never meant to be an offense. It was never meant to be anything that would claim them away from their Judaism. In, in time and in eternity, the freedom was to choose if you chose to have this offer. It's the same offer we'd make to a Jewish citizen or, 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 or a Muslim or anybody else today. Is If you were interested, if you wanted this, you may step forward and claim it. Some critics say you still are. We're not, not, not with our blessing, not with our effort. We're not. Yeah. And actually, in some cases, they are. And they're, they're baptizing celebrities that are dead. Sweeney brings up like Whitney Houston and uh, Anne Frank has been baptized for the dead like a dozen times. <laughs> you know? Just to make sure it sticks, right? Yeah, right. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it's an interesting topic. Uh, this is my favorite as we come to the close here. I'm going to jump to the end, almost the end of the video here. Um, so, of course, while Sweeney was out and about, he's going to hear the realization. I won't even call it an accusation, it's a realization from some former members that the church is really a cult organization. If you look at the definition of what a cult is, and I know not not even professionals all agree on this with regard to the LDS church, I, I feel strongly about it. It is very cult-like in its requirements of its members if you are a full believing active member, right? That's the if. It becomes a cult-like influence in your life at that point, and it has it, many cult-like attributes. It qualifies in, what, at least a dozen ways. So we've gone over those. Yeah. And we talked about the bite model from Stephen right. Hatton and um, behavior, information, uh, what's the T? Thought control and emotion control, mm-hmm. right? And how the church goes about that. Um so he brings this point to Holland. He said, "Hey, some people are calling it a cult." Well, what would that? What are you really saying to Holland if if he were to agree that it is a cult? Here he is, this smart guy, and he's gonna he's gonna join it, right? And so it's kind of an affront to Holland. And this this Holland's response, part of it, has become a meme. <laughs> so you'll be able to guess which part that is as as we play, as we play this here we go talk to a number of people who've left the church more than 30 and there is a massive gap between what they've told me and what you're telling me well when we all all get together that would help we, if you'll give me that list and if you want to sit with us let's go get them together and let's talk what they said to me mm-hmm. that they believe the mormon church is a cult they believe it's a cult like the church of scientology mm-hmm. but actually it's smarter more powerful. <laughs> well, I guess if that's what they believe, it's probably a good thing they chose to leave it because we're not a cult. Uh-oh. I'm not an idiot. Uh-oh. Oh. You know, I, I've read a couple of books and I've been to a pretty good school. And I have chosen to be in this church because of the faith 
that I feel and the inspiration that comes. No, I'm not calling you a cult. I'm just saying that I've met people who I, used to be I, in well, the church. I've met, I've met people. And, and if people want to call us a cult, they can call us a cult and you can call us a cult. But we are 14 million and growing. Uh, and not growing and very I'd much. I'd like to think that your respect for me would be enough to know that this man doesn't seem like a dodo. Bum, bum, bum. <laughs> <laughs> well, see there. how defensive he gets. That's the, oh, yeah. the thing. He yeah. takes it personal, of course. Yeah. Uh, but now he's lost. He, he's lost it. Yeah. He's so upset. He's so mad. He's starting to say some really stupid shit. Yeah. And look, uh, we've talked about the fact that just because you're an active Mormon doesn't mean you're a stupid person, right? And it doesn't mean you're unintelligent. And this is a common tack uh, or knee-jerk response by people like Holland, mm -hmm. who, you know, he, I would, I think he's an intelligent guy, you know, and he, he's read some books. He's gone to, yes, to his point, right? He's gone two. to, he said two books. Uh, oh, a couple books. <laughs> yeah. Um, he's, a, he's, he's a smart guy, right? But that doesn't preclude you from being defrauded by an organization, mm -hmm. given a false narrative that sounds really good and it's wrong. And intelligent people get taken every day, you know, all the time. And it doesn't mean you're not intelligent. And he immediately took it as an insult to his own intelligence. I'm not a dodo. That's the meme. <laughs> There's a T-shirt that some guy made that has a dodo with Holland's head. <laughs> <laughs> the dodo bird, by the way, we talked about this for a minute. Yeah. I, I can't find information about it being an unintelligent bird. It just oh. lands really shitty. When it comes <laughs> in to land on the seashore, it bounces and rolls and tumbles. And that's analogous to what old Holland just did. He landed yeah. very poorly at the end of that interview. That's a really good analogy. Yeah. So he kind of is a dodo. <laughs> not saying you're not intelligent. That was just a poor landing. Holland. Yeah. Look, uh, I mean, is that the only thing you can say to an accusation that your church has cult-like behaviors? Hey, I'm in it. I'm not a dodo. Um, mm, that's kind of weak. <laughs> it's entertaining. Oh, God. oh man. Yeah, that wraps up the Sweeney Holland comments. Um, like I said, you, t you pull them all together. It's not a, a very long interview, but it's very uh, powerful <laughs> in that some of the responses from this prophet, seer, and revelator, right? Um, not so impressive. No. So, yeah. What, do you, what else do you say about that? Well, is he better at it now? It's been eight years. I don't know. I I, don't, I, do I know think that. what the here's what I think they learned yeah. from experiences like that. Not to do it. <laughs> well, look, yeah, hey, along those lines. So it is documented. Holland's office sent the BBC and Sweeney a letter telling them how disappointed they were with the interview, telling them using phrases like they felt they had been ambushed, that they felt that they weren't, uh, wow. they weren't, um, uh, what's the word? Uh, um, they weren't given the right information about what the, the right preparation of where, yeah, where and, it was going to go. Yeah, and 
even why do you need yeah. any time to make up your answers? Why? Exactly. Why can't a, a person off the street walk up to a member of the 12 and say, hey, you got a minute? No, I'm busy. Well, tough shit. I got a few questions for you and be able to bang, bang, bang. Yeah. Answer yeah. those questions. Yeah. Come uh, on. You can imagine a world where a true prophet, seer, and revelator existed, where he, where he, he or she was getting direct feed from divinity, right? And you could ask that person anything reasonable, right? Anything that has an answer that's reasonable. And, and like you said, boom, yes, my child, here's the answer. Zing, right? Not, oh, get with my people, schedule a time and give us a month to prepare really eloquent answers so we don't feel ambushed. Mm-hmm. Um, and by, by the yeah. way, we were, we were talking about President Hinckley's interview with uh, Larry King yeah. for a minute, uh, and I noticed that, that there's nothing there. And by the way, President Hinckley had a stack of responses in front of him and which was shuffling through the responses as Larry was asking the question. So that's, <laughs> that's what they, why they were mad. Uh, they didn't give Holland enough time to have a stack of answers prepared. Yeah. He wasn't uh, prepared. Yes. Um, all right. Well, we learned some things <laughs> and uh, guys, there may be a follow-up at some point about Holland. He, we we mentioned even these bullets before, but we didn't play the audio. He was cu- he's been caught five or six times in a public forum lying through his teeth. And I think it would be fun to put together another episode where we play that audio from those, uh, not the whole things, right? Some of these were talks that were like an hour or something, but bits and pieces, right, of these things where, again, why would you do this? Why would... What does it say about your church if you if one of the twelve holy apostles of Jesus is out lying? Uh, right? It, it, uh, maybe it's not what it says it is. I don't know. <laughs> maybe. Wow. <laughs> or you can you can do again with President Hinckley. You can do his famous response, which is, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> We'll get into that with his interview with Mike Wallace. It, yeah, we're going to do a Hinckley and Wallace episode. You guys, I don't have- know. I don't know anything about that. Yeah, I don't know that we teach that. Oh, <laughs> oh. I thought I had a, a professional authority here. I mean, you're the prophet, and all. I guess I made a mistake. <laughs> I missed a couple meetings. <laughs> Oh, God. All right. Love you guys. Fun episode. We'll talk to you later on, huh, Dave? Have a beautiful week. Bye.